This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Honoring the Journey. I'm Leslie Neese, one of your hosts, along with my friend Karen Schock, two midlife mamas of adult kids who've been through deconstruction, actually still going through it. We're going to be discussing all things faith and deconstruction. We're going to chat with guests who've had faith journeys that are beautiful, worthy of honor and exploring. And we're going to dive into different faith practices, ideas, and ways to connect with the divine without the religious baggage. Both Karen and my faith journeys are evolving, and they're filled with curiosity and a willingness to explore all things. Thank you so much for journeying with us here on Honoring the Journey. Welcome back to Honoring the Journey with Leslie Neese and Karen Schock. And today, oh my word, we are honoring the journey of somebody who is literally like one of my kids. Um, Truly, actually, I called him my survivor son. He called me his survivor mama. His name is Todd Herzog. And not only was he on my tribe on Survivor China, but that dude won the whole thing. (laughs) Yes. So we are super excited to introduce him today. Todd, welcome to the show. I cannot wait to hear so much more about your journey and all of that good stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And yes, of course, you are my Survivor Mama. I do have a question, though. How old were you on Survivor? 38. Okay. I turned 39 in like two weeks. No. I can't believe we called you Mama. I know. Because I was 22. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, none of you were young enough to be my kids. The the thing is, I am so freaking maternal. Like I have you are, always you are been that way. Such a maternal person. I am. And you were the, the one who would like clean up the messes around our camp. You're living <laughs> in a swamp, and you're out there like picking up leaves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I I do remember actually picking up one time, and I got in trouble. Remember? Because I yeah. threw away the nasty fish that had like. I mean, it was so gross. There were so many flies and it smelled so bad and stuff was growing on them, but apparently it was bait. And honestly, like I would have thrown it away too, but I would, I couldn't even go close to it because it smelled so bad. Right. <laughs> and like James and John Robert are just keeping it right next to where we sleep. It's like, come on guys. If it's bait, <laughs> put it somewhere else. It was so oh, gross, man. but I did get in trouble. Anyway, if you look at the Thanksgiving episode, you'll see <laughs> where yeah. I get in trouble for that. Anyway, we're so happy that you're here, Todd. I would love to know, of course, for one thing, I, I think Karen Karen is like, it's so cute. She is fangirling so hard. I'm going to let her actually start with the first question because she looks, <laughs> it's so cute. She's so yes, excited. Karen, let's, let's go. Karen, yes. Listen, I cannot believe it. I just became friends. Just so you know, Todd, I just became friends with Leslie, like right before Christmas. Oh, wow. We, That's we have the same publisher and she commented on something on my Facebook. And then I was like, I looked her up and kind of 
was like, wait a minute, she was on Survivor. I need to talk to this lady. Let me tell you right now, Todd, I'm going to tell you right now, never in a million years or for any kind of millions of dollars would I go on Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys did and what they do. So because I became friends with Leslie, <laughs> we, we had a coffee date over FaceTime and we have so much in common and so much of our journey is the same. We all, both have four kids, all that kind of stuff. But then I decided I'd binge watch it. I needed to know a little bit more because at that point, even on that first, even on our first coffee date, Leslie was like, let's do a podcast together. And so it just kind of worked out. We're doing a podcast. Yeah. And so I went to start to binge watch this thing. And I I have to say, Todd, I have fallen in love with you. And (laughs) even though, and and I binge watched it, I might've skipped the last, I don't know. I still don't understand how James got out, but. That's oh, that's a huge world. episode. I, I know, but I had to fast forward because you were coming on today. So <laughs> well, you can knife your way into it. And I just love the whole thing. And I love everything about you guys. And so I am fangirling and I cannot wait to hear your story and, and what all has gone on since then. It's been, what did you guys say? 16 years? Yeah. 16 years, which is oh, absolutely insane. And, you know, here's one of the, the things, too, is like, so you say that you just watched it, right? Yeah, just one it. thing I absolutely love is like, still to this day, people will jump in and start watching Survivor. And they're probably some of my favorite people because they're so excited about it. They haven't been tainted by the, oh, this and that. And they don't get all negative and, and you know, angry about it. So I love the, I love the, the fresh Survivor fan. Yeah. <laughs> fresh Survivor fan. There's a lot of them too. I mean, it's funny because it like it pops up like sometimes it'll just show in like South Africa and I'll yeah. start getting fan mail from South Africa. I can't imagine the fan mail you get, Todd, because I was on and you blinked and I was gone, but you lasted the whole time and even took the whole thing. Sorry, I'm probably ruining this for people who haven't watched it, but you Spoiler. Know. <laughs> still worth watching though. Very, very cool. Well, it's also cool because it's in China. We were very lucky to have such a wonderful location full of like culture and history and like just this out. I mean, it was in the middle of a swamp, which is crazy, but we got to see some pretty incredible things while we were there. Yeah, you did for sure. But you I, did too. I mean, I'm, to. I'm just saying it, the <laughs> the challenges after I was voted out were a lot less Survivor Gone Wild, mud wrestling in the nakedness. Gross. Yeah. And then- Gross. It was like terrible. They the challenges that I went on were not cultural. They were like, we're gonna throw you off a boat and um and we're gonna do it with like no heart at all. <laughs> or or wrestling with, you know, a professional but, wrestler. What's really funny, Leslie, is I sat out both of those challenges. Oh you're <laughs> lucky. And why did they put me in? What am I? I, because I mean I was we had to sit out a man. Yeah. And there was no way we were sitting out James, Jean Robert, or Aaron. It was like, yeah, just guess, little old me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if it was between me and Courtney, everybody knew yeah. Leslie was going to go and Courtney was going to sit out unless she had to play. Yeah. So funny. But okay, so you wanted to be on Survivor for a really long time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, Survivor started when I was like 15 years old. And I remember, so I was like this chubby, nerdy kid. I didn't have friends. Like I had one friend who was the neighbor kid who had like four birds and like seven rabbits and like lizards and turtles and stuff. So like that gives you an example as to like my friend. 
And um, so like, I was very imaginative and creative in my head, but I didn't really know anybody. Well, Survivor started and I thought, wow, this is incredible. Like, that's so cool. Um, and I got hooked instantly. So I started watching the show religiously. Season two is when I like really, really, really got into it. Um, you know, and I was in junior high at this point. And then once I got to high school, I was like, you know what? I am really sick and tired of not having friends. And it's all because people view me as this quiet, introverted person. And so I decided to go around my high school and find the people who were like me, who were like the, the leftover in their group or their clique. So I went to like the cheerleaders and I found the one cheerleader who didn't seem to fit in. And then I went to, you know, the yearbook kids and then I went to the drama kids and I found one person from each type of clique throughout the school. And I invited them to my house to watch Survivor, the premiere of Survivor Marquesas. Um, I didn't know any of these people. I just figured, why not? Like, here we go. I invited 14 people and all 14 of them showed up. Mm-hmm. And it was like the beginning of something really cool. So we started the Survivor Club and every single week we would meet to watch Survivor. Um, and then we would like bet, we bet 50 cents per person on who we In thought- In Utah? Be. I know. That's one of the reasons why it was like, <gasps> you guys are gambling? <laughs> So it was kind of crazy. But my mom, she had a rule. She was like, you can only bet if I get to bet too. Oh, I love that. So Yes, surely. She bet on (laughs) Vesepia. And she won the first season. My mother won. Of course she did. So yeah, we we continue to do it um, for Thailand and then Amazon and um, all through high school. And it just grew. So by the time I was a senior in high school, we had like 50 people every week coming to my house like so every thursday night um you would see torches lighting the driveway and you know we had t-shirts made and hoodies made and we would write and chalk on our car windows like survivor it was (laughs) crazy um and so it just became like this huge part of of like my life and and who i was and that was one of the things where i started like i basically found out i just like people i don't care Mm-hmm. who they are or what they you know what their backgrounds or anything like is I just knew that we all deserve to fit in and so that's how the survivor fandom started well I knew as soon as I was old enough to audition I was going to um and back then it was 21 so I originally auditioned when I was 21 for Cook Islands didn't hear anything um auditioned again, made it through to like the finals of casting for Fiji and then got cut and then finally auditioned for China. So it was just kind of like something that, you know, everybody in school is like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be this and that and that. And I was like, I'm going to be on Survivor. I'm going to play Survivor. And so I never really had a backup plan, which is absolutely absurd looking back, you know, (laughs) like I never once would have told you this is what I want to be when I grow up and then had a profession it was always well i'm gonna go play survivor and so first things um, first <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and then i'll figure it out it's wow. absolutely bizarre but yeah finally uh, for china i mean i skipped over final or you know semifinals and everything and went straight to finals mm-hmm. um and they were like we don't know what you did differently with your video but it was absolutely perfect and you were just so just you 
you're coming to meet all of the executives. And so I did. And that's where I saw you for the first time. I know. I was going <laughs> to say, I think that was the first time I saw you. And I was like, what a cutie little surfer dude. I thought you were like a skateboarder. Like you were Just so dang cute with your little hair sticking up in your little vest oh, on a t-shirt. Little did you know I was a flight attendant. <laughs> I know. I had no idea. Like I was so, so off base. You know how you... You try not to judge people, but literally you don't have a choice except to imagine what that person yeah. is like. Because we weren't allowed to talk. Right. Um, like in finals, do you remember when we went and we were watching all of the, they make you like go into a room with everyone. You can't talk to them. You have to sit far away from each other because they don't want you developing relationships before the show. Right. And um, we don't even know. I mean, th there's way more people in there than actually got on the show. But we would have to watch episode after episode of these shows. And we were all sitting binge watched multiple times. Oh yeah. Which we already knew me and you, yeah. we were like just super survivor fans. Yeah. So we get in this room and we're, we're like watching these things. And I knew the next day, that's exactly what we were going to do again. And so I brought all my pillows from my bed. Do you remember that? Yes. And you laid out. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and everybody looked at me and I got in so much trouble by Lynn Spellman. She was like the casting director. She's like, Leslie, what are you doing? You're bringing attention to yourself. They're looking for a reason to vote you out already. And I'm like, why would they vote me out? They're going to do the same thing tomorrow. Watch. And sure enough, everybody they showed did. up with their freaking pillows. I said, mm -hmm. I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> yeah, because they were making us watch Survivor. Well, Fiji was one of them. And then we also watched Pearl Islands. I mean, yep. it was just like why are we doing this? We don't have, like, I understand for the people who have never seen Survivor, but some of us here are super fans. So we know everything about this show. Right. Yeah. Well, and when we got picked, you and I, and we went to China, we still weren't able to talk for a while um, while they were doing interviews and getting us ready for, you know, release or whatever. I just remember you and I connected eyes one time and you noticed that I had, cause I didn't take my wedding ring with me. Yeah, I had a string on my on my wedding ring, and you looked at it and you pointed to it, and you were like, "That's so cool." <laughs> I, I I was like, the fact that you put something there to take it out there because you're not going to run through the jungle with your your freaking rock. Yeah, her, her wedding <laughs> ring. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking that to the jungle with me. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. And then I was like, "Oh, I really like him. I hope he's on my tribe." And then you were. I was so excited. Yeah, we used to get in so much trouble, too, because we would talk about all the seasons that we'd seen. Yes. We're like, remember when this and that? And they're like, shut up. Talking like you about can't talk about previous seasons while you're playing the game of Survivor because we can't air that. Right. And now they do. Yeah. They, they should have done it then. Then they would have known we were psychopaths. <laughs> For real. <laughs> because not everyone on the show was. No. no not on our season. Now, now it's a lot of fans. So now yeah. they... They don't recruit anymore. Apparently, they don't recruit is what they say. Cool. But back then, they used to recruit people okay. to get specific characters. Like Courtney, for instance. Was yes. recruited. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she was recruited two weeks before. She didn't mm -hmm. even really know what she was getting into. She'd never seen it. So she had no idea what she was in for. It was hilarious watching her. But <laughs> Todd knew right away. He's like, I need this girl as a shield. I'm taking her to the end. <laughs> Well, do you know why they cast her? Like, I've told you this, I thought. What? Because like, in my finals, they asked me, they said, if you could have any celebrity play Survivor with you, who would it be? And I said, Nicole Richie, because she's a skinny little bitch. And the two of us would sit around and talk trash about everybody the entire <gasps> time. 
Oh my gosh. And you got your Nicole Richie. I got my Nicole Richie. No, I did. This is the first time I've heard this. Mind blown. Mind Like Jamie, they asked her, what's your ideal man? She said a curly haired Southern boy who plays the guitar. And they found Eric. They found Eric and then they got married. And I spoke at their wedding. (laughs) No, you didn't. Really? Yes. Because I read, actually, I read in my, um, in the, my journal that I, you know, I was writing in my journal the whole time. You can't, you can't really talk to anybody, but I wrote, and one of the things I wrote, I was like Barbie doll, blonde girl and, and curly haired, cute South Carolina boy. I knew he was from South Carolina because his guitar case had the symbol of South Carolina. I said, I think something's going on with that. And so I like, and then they ended up getting married. So I read my journal entry at their wedding. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah, it was funny. So, okay, the journey of Survivor, you you go on. Okay, so you and I, I do you remember when we first had our, our first deep conversation, Todd? You mean the night one? Yeah. Well, you know me. I go yeah. there. I don't like talking about the weather and the last time people got drunk or I wanted to talk about life. <clears throat> like, I love people so much. I mean, I, and so I said to you, do you remember what I said to you? Yeah, you. so we had just like, it was raining and we didn't have time to build shelter. So we laid a bunch of palm friend, fronds on the ground to try to sleep in and, or sleep on. And we all laid down in rows and you sat up and you said, so Todd, what trials in life have you been through to make you who you are today? Dang. Something to that extent. Yeah. And I looked at you and I said, you mean me, like me being gay? And you were like, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> I really didn't. I was like, what? Wait, what? I thought you had a crush on Courtney. I had no idea you were gay. I literally zero idea. I just love asking the kind of questions that take people in a direction that is not like what you would expect. Yeah. I And I truly thought you were like doing the very proper, nice way of going around asking if I was gay or something. No, I had no idea. I don't have a gaydar. You know what I mean? Like I had I no idea. You thought I had a crush on Courtney. <laughs> I did. I really did. I, well, I mean, I think everybody had a crush on Courtney. So She's yeah, a- she was such a, she was such a, it's funny. They made her look so mean and yeah, she had her moments, she, but the greatest she was such person a light. I know she was such a light. She was so wonderful. Um, but yeah, I remember having that conversation and I think it was the first time, I honestly think, Todd, you may not even realize this, but like, I think that's our first conversation was when things started to unravel for me um, because you were like, oh, well, now that you know that I'm gay and you're a Christian, you probably don't want anything to do with me. Do you remember saying that? I do remember that. So yeah. wait, you're saying they started, things started to unravel for you in your faith. Not yeah. necessarily. I thought I didn't know if you meant in the game or no in my faith because it was the yep yeah it was the first time that I had realized the way that people perceived yeah. me as a Christian and and it real I mean I thought about it every single moment from that moment I'm like oh my gosh these people think I'm horrible they think I am judgmental and I would ask what do you think about I literally it made me start to ask other people questions so how do you perceive it. And, you know, yeah, it broke my heart. It broke my heart because I really liked you. And I thought he thinks I don't like him. And I, I literally, this is not, this is nowhere near a deal breaker. Although at the time I will say I was being taught and believed that it was a big time sin. And, you know, you and I had those discussions too. Um, But I, I think it, the thing that I'm so thankful for you for is that you were so honest and open with me 
in spite of what you perceived me to be. And it gave me the room and the space to sort of ask questions and, and start to do this journey for myself. So thank you for that. Of course. I mean, I learned a lot from you too, because like I jumped to conclusions right away while we were out there, you know, um, I was, I guess, so in 2007, now when someone says they're gay, it, it's like a, like whoopee, you know, like yeah. nobody thinks twice and right. it's, um, or, you know, whatever pronoun or anything like that, that like, it's, there's so many things now. And I'm like, how did that change in 16 years? But 16 years ago, it was still like, wait a second, like, I don't know about this. And so like, of course, you know, someone super Christian is the experiences I had had beforehand were always like, everybody just instantly thought that I was sinning, that it was a choice, that it was something that I was doing um, because I wanted, you know, like the attention or I, I felt like it was a good idea to just be this way. And, and so it was like very uncomfortable and awkward. And, and it was like one of those situations where I was like, these people obviously don't understand and they're just so concerned with what they're reading in this book that has been like translated over and over, you know, just all that nonsense. Right. But, um, so I was super quick to jump to conclusions as well. And I mean, obviously I, that's not fair, but. Well, it's not fair for either one of us. Right. But like, we realized that. And how did that happen on a show where it's cut through? Like the, the miracle of that to me, I just can't get over it. Like, I literally loved you. Well, because there's the one thing that we realized is like, you love people and I love people. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's the thing is we don't, we've obviously learned we don't care what the other person's beliefs or desires or like what their life is, as long as they're a good human being, Mm. we're okay with that. And that's one thing that, you know, I feel like, survivor has taught us that journey but like for me it's always been that way because i feel growing up as the outcast and knowing what it was like to not feel wanted Mm. and so to make anybody feel wanted or important or special was always a big deal to me yeah and so if you were good to me which you were because even though you weren't completely on board with the gay thing you weren't you weren't like anti me right well you, were, and I, you know a good person still I was very pro Todd and yeah. I think I think what it taught me you know I, after going back home and talking to people and you know um I just I realized how, like you were right in what you believed because most people did feel that way um you know like they, it was a deal breaker. Like you don't form, what were we taught, Karen? Do you remember the the verse about not being unequally yoked? Do you remember sure. that? I had people throw that into my face when I came back because I made an alliance with you. They didn't really show it on TV, but you know, I, I talked about it with some friends yeah. while the show was, I was like, they didn't even show it, but like, I was actually playing this game like hard and yeah. they just, you know, you're one dimensional out there. I was the Christian and they were only going to show what I said the about Christian. that. Yeah, but I did play and I said, I made a line and they're like, why would you make an alliance with a gay man? And it like literally sit with me in such a icky way um, that I just was like, I'm going to keep reading into this. I There's something too that something's wrong because 
and I, I read it in, is it Colby Martin wrote a book um, about, you know, about, you know, what it means to be gay and a Christian and um, unclobbered is what he calls it. And he, he talks about the clobber verses in the Bible that say, you know, that it's a sin. And, and one of the things he said in it really touched me and made me realize, wow, this is what it, this is what was going on. My heart and my head didn't line up. My heart was telling me this can't be true, but my head was like, but the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And so I did research and Todd, I don't even know if I've told you this because I may have, since our last conversation may have realized this since then, the word homosexual wasn't even a word until 1868. Yeah. How did it end up in the Bible? You know what I mean? So somebody translated something and who knows what it actually was in the beginning, you know, what it meant. But I think taking stock in that and like thinking to myself, okay, wait, when my heart and my mind don't connect, I'm, I'm going to go with my heart, even though, you know, as a Christian, I was told not to trust my heart because it's wicked and deceitful and all that stuff. (laughs) But my heart is also the place where love Yeah. It's where love comes from. And I felt that love for you. You were my kid. I prayed for you so hard. Once I got voted out, you, Courtney and Amanda, I was literally, I prayed for you more than I probably had conversations with other people because I, and you were the top three. I know I'm like, geez. Okay. So I can pray them into winning, but I can come nowhere near it myself. (laughs) But I mean, and that's the thing is like, you know, in the whole growing part of life and and stuff like that is I used to instantly, if someone was like a super Southern Christian, especially from the Bible belt, I'd be like, like, Ooh, stay away from that. But that's, that's me being judgmental as well. That's me Mm -hmm. saying like, Oh, this person is automatically going to assume this. And I like can paint a picture of what I used to think that they would look like. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, you know what? If I love I love my Southern Bible Belt people. I think they're quite actually wonderful human beings. Um, I just feel like they also have some growing and learning to go to, or to do in a lot of ways. But it's like the whole judgmental thing. I really try super hard to to just not assume because yeah. assuming is what is going to get you in trouble forever. And then one thing you know, as being raised in, in Mormonism and and whatever is like. I remember the main thing is like, we don't judge people. And so much of my life was based around people judging me because I was gay for something that I knew that I couldn't change. And I didn't understand myself. And I was like, this sucks. Like, why are all of these people thinking terrible things about me when I haven't done anything to hurt them? Yeah. Nothing to hurt them. So I've just made it my goal to show people like, Yes, I'm gay, but guess what? I'm a really freaking good guy. I'm a really good guy. And I agree. <laughs> you are they really can good. choose to see it or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that. I think, and that's the one thing I think is so great about people who've been, I just saw a quote the other day about like people who have empathy have been through some really dark things because they know what it's like to feel the thing that they're feeling empathetic about. And I, and I think that's exactly what you did with it instead of getting angry, which it can go in either direction, because literally the other day I had a conversation with a man that I met um, a friend of mine's son and he's, you know, early thirties, sweetest guy in the world, like gay. And I was telling him about 
my journey and how I used to feel this way. And as I'm talking to him, I start crying because I'm so sad that I made people feel that way. Right. And instead of empathy, he went off on me and said, you know what? You should feel that way. You know what? You need to sit with that and let it just, you know, and I was just like, <gasps> like I, I couldn't breathe. And, but I also understand where he's coming from. Like he's upset. He's been hurt, deeply hurt. And, and I was somebody who that I used to be like that. I used to make that person hurt. And so I understand where he's coming from. But then I was like, is there, I felt like, okay, so like the Christians are now mad at me because I'm saying that gay is not unacceptable, right? To God. Um, And yet the gay people are mad at me because they're like, but you used to say that. So like, where do I felt for a moment, I I let my, my heart really feel, where do I fit now? Like, I don't, I get both sides. Not, not all the gays are mad at you. No, I know. But the way I, in that moment, it felt like it. You, you like, you've been on a journey of self-discovery and learning about things that you never thought that you would be even open to learning about. Right. And like, here you are, which I'm sorry, is strides ahead of many people. You know, some people will just shut that door and leave it behind them. And you know what? That's a sad, lonely life. In my opinion, if you are not open and willing to, to listen to people's Mm -hmm. lives and stories, you're missing out on an awful lot. Yeah. That's so true. And I think Karen and I would agree that that's why we're doing what we're doing, because I think it's important to share stories from different faiths, different life journeys. And like, because until, see, honestly, I didn't really know anybody. Mm -hmm. Like not personally, I wasn't, I didn't love anybody who was gay before I met you. Which is, when, which is such a common case in any yeah. like major religion, you know, whether it's Christian or Mormon or Catholic or whatever, like if it's, it's taught that that's a sin. And so naturally you're going to avoid that because that's, you're avoiding sin in life when you're super religious like that. So why would you know anybody? But the yeah. second that you do find out that someone you love is gay or lesbian or whatever, it really can be eye-opening because it's like, wait a second, what? Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, I, that's what made me want to research and look and understand and, and look into translations and all of that. I mean, Karen, you had the same situation with your, was it nephew or? My cousin. Oh, yeah. cousin. That's I have right. a cousin who's close to my age. So I'm the same age as Leslie, by the way, I'm hanging in there at 54, Todd. So <laughs> going Chill through the pause, all the things. But just so you know, uh, I was almost right before you started talking about the guy that you spoke with, Leslie, I was going to say something almost to that effect. And I had the thought, I don't want to piss you off, Todd. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to say, like, feel sorry for me because whatever, like, I get it. And so, but I want to tell you this, I was a misfit too. I was a misfit in the world of Christianity. Like I was trying so dang hard to fit in and to be this Proverbs 31 woman who was quiet and submissive and (laughs) woke up before dawn to serve everyone and all the things that you see. I homeschooled our kids. I, but dang it, I liked Disney and I 
which was a you know a sin and i yeah oh yeah sure absolutely Walt Disney is like very demonic in some circles. Fundamental, okay. not everyone, but you know, okay. fundamental I circles. Know what you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, I mean, and there was much more to that. But I had anxiety and depression, and in a time where it wasn't talked about back in the 1900s, and so we people would judge me for that. Like, mm. look at me and be like, "How could you fear anything?" when you have God and how do you even, do you even know God? And you must, I mean, I had people in a room, I'm on my knees and they're praying over me with their hands on me, praying demons out of me because I had anxiety and depression. And, but it was because I wasn't fitting in. I couldn't find my place. I liked to talk. I liked to be a leader and my husband was quieter. My husband is awesome. Todd, he will want to meet you too. Cause he's awesome and precious. <laughs> and, but I got pregnant before we got married. So we did all the things wrong the whole time, you know, and we're preaching true love waits, my husband and I, even though we didn't wait, we're, we're doing all the things. And I just always had a check because I, I was, I knew I was a misfit, that there were things that I was born with that, that I, that wasn't going to change no matter how hard I prayed. Like, I don't know, I'm going to cry. Like, no matter how hard I prayed it, like I knew. So there was something that connected me to all of that. And I had a cousin who lived three hours away that I never spoke with until we got on Facebook and I started to see him really talking about he lived in, he, I think he still does, lives in Washington, D.C., and he's really an advocate for the homosexual, all of it. And and I messaged him and I said, hey, can I talk to you? Can we just talk? I have questions and I'm going to be in trouble if anybody knows I'm talking to you from my church. But he said the same kind of thing, Tad, that you said to Leslie. He said to me in that conversation, he was, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful human. I love him. And he just said, you know, you guys are so afraid of us. Yeah. Like, but I want you to know we're afraid of you. And I was just like, what? Like, how could you, how could, and then it, and then the more I started to learn and the more I started to grow and the more I started to realize, no shit, you should be afraid. Like, yeah. um, not of, not of me necessarily. The theology. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and just even watching us, you and I, Leslie, get ostracized by even just wanting to line up with them, even mm -hmm. just wanting to say, hey, do you know when this word became a word? Like, do you know, <laughs> you know, or do you know when this became in, when it was in the Bible or if anything we say can and will be held against us oh, and, yeah. and we are now ostracized. Well, I'm so glad like you say that. I mean, okay, the original word in the writing, it basically, in the Bible, it was something that, that meant like pedophile. Yes. Right. That's what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Which they turned to homosexual. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't. That's so different. That's, that's, a, different, that's a different thing. It, it became like an agenda of a specific person's belief. Mm -hmm. Not a higher powers writings or teaching. It was like a human being's beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then it became, you know, the biggest number one, like 
sin apparently i don't know it was so yeah like it's really interesting hearing you karen talk about like you know the anxiety and depression and how you were like the the very stereotyped housewife is what your goal was to be and just having you know to have anxiety meant that something was wrong with you that's that is absolutely mind-blowing because it's true it's true how you know these like a religion or a belief or even just a community will make you believe that you are wrong because mm -hmm. something is different than you. But the truth is that, that every single person has some sort of demon that they're hiding inside. You know, it could be their love for a diet Coke, which is absolutely outrageous that someone would be like, you cannot have that diet Coke because it has caffeine in it. It drives me insane because it's so ugh, like, come on now. No, I, I totally get it. And I was actually the other day I was, driving down the road and um <clears throat> it was in the fall you know how pretty it is here in utah oh, yeah. in the fall well, i want to come. come to utah yes not right now not yeah right. now it's so really cold. cold we're like freezing <laughs> um but in the fall it was so pretty and i was looking at the mountains and i was looking at all the different colors and of the trees and i was like oh and i had this thought i don't even know where it came from just what if all the trees were red and what if the red trees said you all have to be red. You can't be yellow. You can't be orange or you can't be on this mountain because this is the red mountain. Like what if that was the thing? We would miss out on so much beauty. And it's like that with humans. When we yeah. try to, I think we're all on this journey of trying to discover who we are. And when we finally figure out, okay, this is who I am. We think everybody needs to be just like us or they're wrong. But what if what if we're all different for a good reason? What if, and this is the, this is our heart in this, in this podcast. What if we're supposed to learn from each other and not be afraid to hear another person's journey and not be afraid to lift them up and honor that journey, even if it looks so vastly different from your own. And we're going to go on a quick break because that's what we do. We have, we're actually sponsored. It's kind of fun, but when we get back from the break, Todd, I really want to talk about, if you don't mind, just for a few minutes, you were brought up in the Mormon faith, sort of, yeah. I guess. And, you know, and then coming to terms with realizing that you were gay. And I would love to hear more about that because now that I live in Utah, I'm very yeah. familiar with the LDS faith and, and the people in it. And um, I know they've come a long way. They're not in the same place they were, um, which is great. But um, let's talk about that when we come back from the break. Awesome. Okay, Todd. So when we left for the break, uh, I was asking you about your upbringing because you were brought up here in, I guess, if, if there's a Bible belt, there's a there's an LDS belt. <laughs> yes, there's uh, like Happy Valley Mormon town. Yes, you, you are like right bam smack in the middle of what I would I think, think yes. is Happy Valley. 100%. I mean, growing up my high school of like 1200 kids, okay, ninth, 10th and 11th grade, or Nine or 10, 11, and 12, three grades, we had over 1,200 students, okay? And there were two who were not Mormon. Wow. Like that's... Wow. I mean, yeah. I know that the numbers are different now. Yes. I think the last I heard here in Utah, like non-LDS is actually outnumbering LDS for the first time ever, which is yeah. crazy. And then if but... you ask some of the super LDS people, they'll be like, because California's moving here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a reason. <laughs> well, okay. So, but back then that was not the case. So tell me what was it like 
when you were growing up in that? And how did your family take this? Okay. So like, yes, I grew up in the Mormon church. So it was, you know, very, you go to church every Sunday and it was three hours of church every Sunday. Um, my mom is a convert to the church. So she was raised in Toronto and she became Mormon, I think at like 18 or 19, mm -hmm. um, when she came down to Utah and went to BYU. And I think it's because she likes Donny Osmond and he lives here. I don't know. That's that's my there you go. Okay, I love Donny Osmond. I've always loved him. And me and Shirley, your mom, have that in common. So she's actually met him. So yes. no fair. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. I digress. Oh no, you're totally fine. So anyway, like we would go to church every Sunday, but like okay, and it's very, very strict. So, you know, my family was is a very good Mormon family, but like it wasn't, I never cared. It's like, I tried to, I yeah. wanted to, but all of these stories and things that we would be taught and we were learning, I just had this feeling as a kid, even I was like, that's, that doesn't make sense. Like there's, that doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Certain things just didn't make sense. And, um, but I would go along with it. You know, I was like, okay, I guess this is what's up. But I do remember the the main thing, like being told that there's like a list of things that will not get you into heaven. Mm. And, um, you know, there was some like swearing and, and rated our movies and being gay, of course, obviously you're going straight to hell for that. So like, there's a whole list of things, um, <laughs> that you couldn't get into heaven for. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I better do these other things so that I can get to heaven. So I would do all of the, the classes and whatnot, but, I never cared. I remember being taught like you're supposed to go on a Mormon mission when you're um what was it, 21, I think. Yeah, and so, yeah. But now it's 18. Okay, mm -hmm. which is outrageous. So you're supposed to go on a Mormon mission and you're supposed to be gone for two years and teach all these people about the church and try to get them to convert and whatnot. Well, my dad went on one and everybody goes on them. And I was eight years old and I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not doing that, that I, there's no way I'm going to do that. So I was very much, I was already the outcast. So like, at that point I was like, I'll go and I'll pretend to like, you know, do all of this stuff that I'm being taught. But like, I knew inside already, I knew at like five or six that I was gay and I, I knew that something was wrong. So I was like, something is, wait, 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 something, something was wrong is what I was Ugh. taught. He, he did like, that with air quotes, quotes, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I knew that like, I was already like not right. And so I would try to pray all of that away and whatnot. Um, did you ever have to go to any like deprogramming? No, no, oh, no. Oh, no. thank God. Thank God. So it's really, I don't even know how to like explain it because I was like 16 or 17 and I finally was like, I I don't believe what I'm being taught here. So I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I, I had accepted the fact that I was gay, but I wasn't going to tell anybody. Um, when I was like 16 and 17, I just was going, I was planning on living a um, very single life <laughs> so that I could still go to heaven. Sure. Like I was like, I still want to go to heaven. So I'll just like be alone my whole life. Um, oh gosh, Todd. I had accepted it. It's weird that I was like, you know, brainwashed into thinking like, that's how I had to live right. because I could not wrap my mind around being happy 
and gay mm-hmm. like in public i couldn't because I, everybody looked at gay people as wrong and bad at least where i'm from i'd go to these girl choice dances because they always wanted to date me because of course they wanted to date me because i was nice to them i was just scared and until i had graduated high school and then my best friend he and i kissed and i was like oh okay this feels right like this is i don't feel like this is wrong like i was like okay like i had accepted it almost immediately that i was okay with that which is very uncommon it's one of those situations it would be like watching one of those really slow <laughs> slow sexual tension build up movies yeah. where yeah when they fight like this like that's what it would have happened like I mean, it was like years long of slow build, but it finally happened. And so like, instead of, you know, being out and proud here, we, we packed up and moved to Washington together and we're still closetly dating in Washington, which is so weird for like a year. And then we broke up and I was lost, moved back to Utah. I didn't fit in with the Mormon church. I didn't fit into the gay community because I wasn't out and proud yet. And I mean, I'm like 18 at this point, maybe. Um, and so I was like, I need to figure out what I, who I am. And I was walking around the, the school, the college that I was going to, and there was this little poster that said um, internship at Disney World. And I was like, what is that? And it was, they were doing interviews that day, like literally 20 minutes. It was this tiny little like square thing that you see on the tables. Um, like saying, come interview. I showed up to this room and I'm not kidding. There was like 400 people there. And I was like, what is this? And they did their little spiel and they're like, we're going to take two of you and you're going to get an internship at Disney World and you'll get college credit and blah, blah, blah. I got it. Of course you did. Um, (laughs) What was the role? Because I love this. (laughs) I got a job working in Fantasyland. So I ran the teacups and the Snow White ride and the Winnie the Pooh ride. I love uh, it. I love, I love it. it. Yeah. Let's go to Disney. So, I mean, and that's actually, I did fall in love with Disney when I was there. I always liked Disney, but that's where I fell in love with Disney. So anyway, I like packed my bags and I moved to Florida. I had never been to Florida. I had never been to Disney World. I was like, I just need to figure something out. As soon as I get there, like they have all of these people lining up to check in to find out where your like um, apartment's going to be, who your roommates are going to be, what your job's going to be, because you don't know until you get there. And... um I, there's like seven of us in line and they're all like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm from Kansas or Nebraska or blah, blah, like all over the country. And we're all like, let's go to dinner. So we all go to dinner and everybody's introducing themselves. And someone asked me, Todd, are you gay? And I was like, yes. And nobody blinked. Nobody freaked <laughs> out. Nobody said anything. It was just okay. Yep. And I was like, that was the easiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And from that moment on, I never questioned whether or not I cared if someone else cared. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Now, what when Disney you will do, see what Disney does to you? Well, yes. they say it's magical. That's, what, so. that's, that's yeah. why. That's why they don't want you. That's why they didn't want us to watch Disney. <laughs> like, I love it. I think that's so, I think that's a beautiful story, actually. Absolutely. And when you when you go on Survivor then, and they mm-hmm. literally put under your name, gay <laughs> Mormon flight attendant, how did the church handle that? <laughs> so, 
So, um, okay. Like, obviously at that point I was, I was out and, um, I mean, this is before Facebook, like this Mm. is my, so like, it's very different. So we had this huge viewing party in Utah. And so my family and friends all knew, but I was like, okay, well, a lot of these people that I grew up with are about to find out, I guess, if they don't already know. And they introduced it as gay Mormon flat attendant. And I was just with the attitude of like, you can take it or leave it. And if you don't want to be here, you can go. But everybody was totally fine with it, you know? Cause like, mm-hmm. this was my viewing party. So mm-hmm. you don't like it. Don't come type yeah. of thing. Good and for you. so, but what, actually turned out to be really cool about that situation was um not only me but my mom as well like so many parents and so many young people started reaching out yeah is saying that they're gay or this is like and it was so many people who were scared to death so my mom kind of became like an unofficial spokesperson for like (laughs) proud gay moms came like just someone who said you know like it's not easy of course because my family is not like every family my family was was accepting my family was okay with who i am you know they love me for who i am um but not every family in super religious you know areas are like that and the main thing that i learned out of that is if you don't have a support system through your family you can go find your family you can pick your family because are people who love you for who you are, no matter what. Absolutely. And anybody who doesn't, they're the ones missing out. Yeah. And it's sad. It's so sad. You know, like I don't have an actual, I do have a survivor child who is gay, but like mm-hmm. having to, like, I really needed to learn how to not be, I don't know what, I, I, dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy because, you didn't know like you don't know you have to learn you have to be willing to learn otherwise you will just remain in that quote-unquote dumb but it doesn't mean dumb no it's it is it is indoctrination yeah but but it you know i have come to a place now where if it doesn't look like love i want nothing to do with it and and so to me i think the biggest realization was when i realized it wasn't about theology it was about love and love is literally trumps everything. And if you can't love somebody because of who they are, that is a you problem, not a them problem. Okay. So Todd, I I know we got, we have to wrap up. Our time is running short, but I really do. I can't not talk about your journey without mentioning. I know you went through a really difficult time um, after survivor uh, with drinking. And I know some of our listeners may want to know, how are you doing today? And what was that do you think a little bit of that had to do with identity and trying to figure out who you were? Like, what do you think happened? When it comes to my alcoholism, it's really, really crazy because I, once again, with, you know, with the Mormon community, especially, I was not educated, I don't believe, on what it was, what addicts were, what alcoholics were. I only had seen what I saw on TV and movies. um, And that's like someone living on a bridge. And so when I started drinking, in my mind, it was so much fun. And more drink meant more fun. And it it was fun for a long time, but then it became work and it became, 
it just took over me. But I was completely blind to it and in denial of it. So I was like, if I just have a little bit more, I'll get back to that fun. And I don't, I don't necessarily believe that I was, you know, trying to run away from anything, or I think I just got lost in it. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to look back because I don't know where the line, I don't know exactly where it happened. One day it stopped being fun and it, it became oh, like consuming. It took over absolutely everything. But if you look at my entire life, right? Like I don't do anything small. I, I was going to say, you don't do anything halfway. You are no, all yeah, I love something and I go all out for like, I am just consumed by it all. And yeah. so that was just another one of those things. So for, you know, I went through... 10 different rehabs. I mean, there, I should be dead completely. 100% should be dead. And so many different hospital visits and whatnot, but I have a question. When was this? So it was after I was like one survivor. uh So I was about 27. Okay. When it got really bad. Okay. Um, so 27 to like 33, I would say were probably the worst years, maybe 32-ish. Um, and I mean, it was bad. It was two liters of vodka a day. Yeah. Um, At this point, he would sometimes call me when he was out of it. And yeah. he would just cry and just be like, help me, help me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I mean, I it broke my heart. It was so hard. Well, and so for me, it was like, you know, these rehabs and stuff, they would send you to AA and like AA was very, very religious. Like it was very much, it felt like going to church. You know, we were praying, we were holding hands. We had a picture of, you know, Bill at the front instead of Jesus. And like, they kept saying things like, this is not a religious thing. It's a spiritual thing. And I'm like, okay, but the, you're, it's religious, guys. You're making this into religion. Mm-hmm. You can call it spiritual all you want, but we're sitting here praying and basically reading the scripture of AA, which was the big book, and the 12 steps and the things that you must do if you want to be sober. And I'm like, this is literally like saying, I must do this so I can get to heaven. Like, that would be so triggering for somebody with your past. It was it, like to me, AA was probably the worst thing that ever could have happened. So it's kind of crazy because I just one day I was so sick. I was like obviously vomiting and shaking. And my choices were this like either get myself to the liquor store to get some more mm-hmm. and continue and until I die or like stop. Somehow I decided to stop. Now, between then and now, there had been slip-ups, a few. But we're talking like, like I don't drink anymore. I don't want to drink anymore, mm-hmm. which is which is amazing. Like, I look at, or I smell it. If I smell it, I physically gag. Wow. And I don't know how, like, I don't know where exactly that transition happened because... It used to be something that I had to have every single day of my life. Now it's something I don't even think about. Wow. And it's because I I told myself, I said, okay, I think I want a life again. I want to be yeah. a person again. 
Um, because this is, that was not me. That was not Todd. That was an, a shell of who I was. And so I wanted to go on a journey to find out who I was without drinking, without, um, you know, having to be this crazy person in the party and, and whatnot. But I also like, I skipped over a large part of when you graduate high school and then you go and you discover life. I graduated high school and then I won a million dollars and I, and then I got to do what I wanted to do and I got to play and, and enjoy things, but I didn't know what came next. Mm-hmm. And so I literally said, okay, I'm going to get sober. I detox for like a week and a half. And then I was like, okay, let's go get a job. I got a job as a server. And I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, like just little tiny baby steps of not being embarrassed because for so long I was like, I can't go be a server at 30. Like I can't do this at this age because I was told that I needed to be a successful business person or whatever at different ages of my life or be married at this age and that. And I was like, no, instead of all of these like should haves or must do's just take it one baby step at a time of normal life. Hmm. Whatever that looks like. And yeah, I I found a path that I felt happy in and, um, you know, I eventually started dating again. Then I got married, which. Yes, you did. (laughs) Yes. Is just there by chance. Yeah, he's here. I want to say Ooh. hi. Hi. Hi, Jess. Hi, babe. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. We love you. I love you. <laughs> yeah. We're almost done with your husband, I promise. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is great. But yeah, and then we started a business together. You know, like, it's just. And your business awesome. is booming. Like, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. We make custom Funko Pops. So. They're like almost like bobbleheads, but their heads don't bobble. So they've got these little big heads, <laughs> little bodies with big heads. And we customize them to be anybody you want. So it could be your family. It could be your pet. It could be your favorite celebrity or reality star. Like, and you actually they, did some for my family and they are amazing. We love them. Well, and it started as like a hobby because COVID hit and there was nothing to do and everybody was being crafty online. So I was like, let's be crafty. And I made the Spice Girls and I posted them on Facebook and then it just kind of snowballed and I never expected it to become a thing, but it, five years later, here we are. Here you are. I love it. Well, how can we find your, your pops? You can find my pops um, either on my Facebook, which is just Todd Herzog or Instagram Todd's pop shop, or you can email me Todd's pop shop at gmail.com. And just send me pictures and I'll price them out for you. Yeah. He literally puts the clothes on these things. Like I send him pictures of my family. These pops look just like my kids and my husband and me. It's insane. The one you did of me was so good, Todd. Like <laughs> I, I do love, love yours. I won't lie. Like, yeah. It's really good. I mean, we have made almost 4,000 now. Like wow. It's crazy. Wow. I love that you guys can do it together. So you work together and that works. Oh yeah. It's actually really, really awesome, which is, I never thought that we would, I never thought that I could work with someone that I was like with. Yeah. And um, no, we, we laugh 
constantly throughout the day. So we have a big TV in front of us and we'll put on random shows and we'll sit here and we'll make toys. And <laughs> it's like the Santa's helpers. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a ton of work. Don't get me wrong. Like it's a ton of work, but we actually have fun doing it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I'm so excited for you and I'm so glad that you're sober and that things are going well for you. I just literally could not be more excited. And I love that we live what, 25, 30 minutes away from each other. It's so crazy, isn't it? Like it's absolutely bizarre. I, I love that you're doing this. You I know this is this is so what you like you belong in a podcast, you know? Like thank you. Thank you very much. It's it took me a while to find my voice again. Um but you're, you've done it. Yeah. And and here's the the biggest thing too, right? That I wanted I wanted to point out earlier, but I didn't. So like you talk about how you grew and you had like opened your mind and understanding with, um, you know, gay people and what religion has said and what you believe in, like how love is what you need. A lot of that also applies to gay people who were born and raised in a religion. A lot of gay people will come out and despise their religion. They'll hate God. They'll hate Jesus. They'll hate, you know, anything to do with that. I don't, that's not the case with me. Yeah, me either. That's one thing I have always been open to is if you believe in something that makes you feel that love and that joy, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like I believe in a higher power. I believe in a God. I believe in someone out there watching over me. Now, can I tell you exactly what that is? No, but I don't think I have to because I don't I, think anybody can. <laughs> yeah, some people will tell you they can, but they I can't. I know, but they really can't. I mean, exactly. we don't really know. This is what we're taught. This is what we've been shown. You know, if you think that the Bible is the end all of all, then yeah, maybe you could say that's what the Bible says. So that's what I believe. But the Bible says a lot of things. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, it says a lot of things. And you know what? The Bible is a really cool book. It is. Read. Like, it's mm -hmm. a really cool book. I won't lie. But have, have, People who are so strict with just the Bible, have they gone through and read all of these other, mm. you know, mm -hmm. scriptures of other religions and stuff? Because hey. if you pick them up, if you pick up these other religions or even do a deep dive into any of them, it's actually really fascinating. It is. And, I mean, there's so much amazing, like, history and, oh, and yeah. culture and stuff out there. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's outrageous how cool it is. It and is. if you really look at it, a lot of it is the same thing. Just depending on where they are, they tweaked it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so there shouldn't be a battle of who's right and who's wrong. It's all, like you said, about love. It's about and, love. And we're all just trying to connect to the divine, whatever that is for you, like God, Jesus, whatever. You know, it, it, yes. maybe it doesn't even have a name. Maybe you just know there's something bigger than you and you're trying to connect to it. You're doing what you've been taught in your culture and in the place where you're at. And yes. That feels right to you, but don't try, don't judge other people for believing it different. Like exactly, you can't deny somebody's experience. And I just feel like God is totally fine with this. Like, however you want to come to me, like if my kids all came to me differently and they do, like when I talk to my daughter, Stephanie, it's more, we talk about nature and concerts and, you know, her likes and dislikes. And then when it comes to my son, he's, a, he's artistic and deep and you know, philosophy, you know, philosophy and all of that. And then with one, my other daughter, she's like an interior designer and she loves fashion. And so like, they all come to me differently. And, but, and I just like, 
relate to them where they're at. I'm not like you, if you want to talk to me, you better talk to me the way your sister Kennedy does, because she's more like me and she is, you know, <laughs> she gets me more than you. No, I'm like, I love how they're all so different. They come to me in different ways. And I feel like that's how God is. Yes. I totally agree completely because I mean, he flat out just like in any of these teachings, it's all about loving thy neighbor and not judging. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, it makes so much sense. And like me saying that you're wrong is me judging you. And that makes me wrong. Right. Exactly. Circular yeah. reasoning. <laughs> you know, the, the Bible that I read for so much of my life, that very Bible would say perfect love cast out fear. Mm. And all I did was live in fear. Yeah. Like it was completely fear-based. All my, all, so much of my learning, so much of everything was fear-based. And so. That is so true. Yeah. So to be free from that. Free. Yes. Free. There's so, and you know, it says, Jesus said that too. It is for freedom that I have set you free. And I was locked in and so burdened and so tired and so afraid. And to come out from that and to walk in love and to be able to have a conversation and to be able to root for you, Todd. Yes. I, I could root for you, even though you were freaking gay. Like <laughs> five years ago, maybe not. But well, it's funny, like both of us, Karen and I both probably, you know, 10 years ago would have been like, we're going to have Todd on so we can witness to him and tell him Absolutely. the truth about Jesus. We're going to have him on and we're going to change the world through that. You know, we had such a savior complex and, you know, we're going to save the world and we're going to tell him the truth. And, and now I think both of us have everything, just our hands are so open to not only let go, but to receive whatever our guests want to bring to us. And today you have brought us like, the richness of this conversation has me, I mean, I'm never coming back down. Like I'm up in the clouds right now. This has been so great. Um, not just because I love you. Obviously. I'm just picturing you guys preaching to me. <laughs> yeah, I know we would have done it. I'm not even kidding. Both of us, because we would have, and you know what, Todd, here's the, here's the thing I know we would have done it from a heart of love. Sure. Exactly. Because I know we you were would. sure that we were right. And then the one thing that I would say was like, you know what? I do love God. I do. Yeah. And I know he loves me. And then it would you like, always said that to me. Why are you gay? And it's like, but I love him and he loves me. <laughs> and it, that was one thing that like nobody really, no matter who comes or came preaching to me in the past, they'd be like, but do you, no. do you love him? I'm like, yes. And they're like, why are you gay then? You know, uh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry that. that I was one of those people, but right. I'm not we're anymore. Gonna, we're going to get learn. that you same do. fact, Todd. Well, we will, Leslie and I, even just from putting this podcast out there, we're going to get flack. We're going to get people who are coming at you and say, coming at us and saying, do you really love God? Do you, mm -hmm. even, do you know God anymore? Do you love him? So we are putting ourselves right back in that position. Um, well, and to all of those people who are going to come out there and say, like, are you guys really, like, do you really love God? Right. Why are they judging you? Hmm. Right? Why are they sitting there judging? I'll tell you why. Fear. They're, 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 they're fear. And here's the thing to all those people who think that, you know, being gay is a sin, that's fine. Go ahead and think that all you want. Mm -hmm. But but I know that whoever created me out there yeah. loves me for yeah. who I am. 
because I'm a good human being. Mm -hmm. And if I met you in the middle of a street somewhere, I would be really polite and kind to you. And I would treat you with full respect because that's how you deserve to be treated. Mm. I would hope that you would do the same to me because I'm a good person. That's it. Period. 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 (laughs) Period. Well, I'm sorry we kept you 10 minutes over, but it was worth it. I feel this has been great. Thank you so much, Todd. And thank you, Jess, for letting us chat with him forever. And uh, <laughs> um, and thank you for joining us uh, on honoring the journey today. We, uh, Todd, I just want you to know we honor your journey. 100%. Thank you, hundred so percent. I had so, a great time chatting with the two of you. I'm so thankful that I got to be a part, even a small part, of your journey, and um, I hope that it'll touch the hearts of a lot of people listening. So thank you. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. All right, we'll put in the show notes how you can get in touch with Todd and how you can order some pops for yourself. You got plenty of time before Christmas since it was just here. I know that's your busy season. Um, And that's such a great idea, by the way, if you want to do a a pop for your family for Christmas. My family went nuts. They still talk about it every Christmas. Uh, It's just a really fun thing. So thank you, Todd. Thank you, Jess. Karen, as always, so much fun getting to know you on a podcast. What the heck? And... uh, You, the listener, I cannot wait to have you with us uh, in the next episode of Honoring the Journey. 